you have your Bible, would you turn with me please to Galatians chapter 1? Well, let me pad that a little bit. Galatians chapter 6. I looked at page 1 of my notes. That's not what I want you to do. Galatians chapter 6. Actually, my message this morning uh, is something of part two or a continuation of my message from last Sunday. Chapter 6, verse 1 was my message for last Sunday, and it had to do with a ministry of restoration, restoring others. I'll refer to that very briefly in just a moment. This morning, we are talking about a ministry of burden bearing. There's some overlapping here, but they are two distinct things. And I want to just say to the church family, uh, we need each other. If, in fact, you do not need anybody else, then you don't really need to even go to church. Now, I think that's a bold statement, but I thought about it, and I believe that's true. Church is a place where people need one another and where people find those needs met. And that has been on my heart for several weeks. And these two messages come out of that feeling in my heart. We need each other. There is never a time when we don't need one another. Never. And I pray and ask God if He would use those of us who fill these pews to minister one to another. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the Word of God, for its truth. It is the whole truth. It is without error. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It brings to our hearts encouragement. It gives us content to teach others who do not yet know the Savior. We open the Word of God and we, we teach its truths to others. We thank you for our Sunday school teachers, for our youth workers. They open the Word of God, they study on their own, and they teach it to others. We thank you for your precious Word. Help us to grow in our faith through the study of the Word of God. Help us to be people who read the Word. Make us a people of the Word. And the couple of verses that are before us this morning, we pray that you'd help us, our Father. May the Spirit of God enable us to take them to, to, to heart, to put them into shoe leather. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Few people have great wealth. All have burdens. Few people have great talents, but all have great burdens. Few people have great fame, but all have burdens. Few people have great power, 
but all have burdens. Question, how do we deal with our burdens? What can we do? If you're here this morning, if I were given to wagering, I'm not. But if I were, I would wager that you have a burden in your heart, in your life today, now, at this moment while we are worshiping this Sunday morning. You've got some kind of a burden in your heart. I don't know what it is. You know, and the Lord knows. And He wants to minister to your heart. So what do we do with our burdens? Well, there are several different approaches to our burdens. Uh, The first one that comes to my mind, I call the Lone Ranger approach. This says, I'll go it alone. I can do this. And I can do it alone. And for me, in doing this alone, bearing my burden, shouldering my burden, for me it's a sign of fortitude and strength. I can do it. Many Christians, on the other hand, take a different approach to our burdens. They are reminded of some passages in God's Word. I won't ask you to turn there with them. Let me just mention them to you. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. Just the opposite of saying, I can do this. I will grin and bear it and grit it out. I can do it. Christian, cast your burdens upon the Lord. He will sustain you. Others are reminded of Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Is your burden pressing you down today? Burdens do that. Come unto me, Jesus invites Still others think of 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all your care upon Him. Why? Why cast my cares upon the Lord? And the rest of that verse is because He cares for you. I don't know what your burden is this morning. I do know that Jesus cares for you. What wonderful resources. But there's another way in which our Heavenly Father enables us to bear our burdens. And that's the one I want to focus on for a bit this morning. If you have your Bible open to the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians, look at verse 2. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Very simple statement. Nothing ethereal about it. Very practical statement, very down to earth. And the only question about it is, are we going to do it? Are we going to say that, well, that's just church. Preachers are supposed to say stuff like that. Galatians 6.2, the Apostle Paul writes, Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. I want to tell you, I think that's a mouthful. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice, please, that it is a command. He doesn't say if you have time, if you want to, if you enjoy doing this kind of thing. Paul expresses this as a command. Bear one of those burdens. 
And would you note too, uh, you won't see this in our English text, but often in the Greek text, words are moved forward in the sentence structure, and that's done for emphasis, and it's done to show importance. The first two words, and I looked at it again this morning, uh, before I came into the sanctuary, I knew it, but I looked at it again, just want to be sure. The first two words in the original text of Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, are one another. There's no verb preceding them in the original text. It's just one another. And everything else comes after that. Why? Because the Apostle Paul wanted to highlight one another. Words done that way for emphasis. And so the words one another are placed first in the verse. And would you look at the verse again, please? It is of great significance that the Apostle Paul doesn't place any restrictions or any qualifications on bearing somebody else's burdens. Now, I point that out simply because in verse 1, in the ministry of restoration, if you'll just let your eyes look back there for just a second, brethren, if a man is caught in a trespass, then he says, you who are spiritual. There's a qualification in the matter of the ministry of restoration. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God. But in verse 2, when it talks about bearing the burdens of other people, he doesn't place any restriction on it whatsoever. Bearing somebody else's burden, that's a ministry that can be carried out by babes in Christ or by the most saintly and the most mature. No restrictions whatsoever. Simply bear one another's burdens. To bear means to have someone else's burden superimposed on you and you take that burden and you carry it. Interestingly enough, it's the same word. This word that's used here is the same word that was used of Jesus bearing His cross. This ministry can be a costly ministry. I can almost assure you that it will be a costly ministry in terms of your time. If you're going to bear somebody else's burden... It's not a hit-and-run proposition. It's going to take some time. It may involve some kind of financial expenditure on your part. Paul says, bear, one of those words, it's a command. It's a command. And in carrying out this responsibility, notice the rest of verse 2, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. What law of Christ was the apostle thinking about when he said that? I believe he was thinking about John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, love one another. In the ministry of bearing someone else's burden, you are fulfilling the law of love, which is the law of Christ.
I want to direct our attention to some practical examples of burden bearing now. But before I do that, <clears throat> I've got to say something else. So fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love. I don't know of a single preacher who, if he is totally candid, doesn't have some concerns about the church that he serves being a place where people really love one another. I don't know of a single minister who, if he's candid, doesn't say, I do have some genuine concerns about the church that I serve and whether or not they really love one another. You know, folks, we are human beings and we can get out of sorts one with another. My wife even gets out of sorts with me, such a sweet fellow as I am sometimes. (laughs) We can get out of sorts with other people. Church is a place where people are supposed to love one another. If they said something unkind to you, they remember Jesus. How do you think he was treated during his earthly life? And yet he loved. He never met somebody that he didn't love. Never. Since the beginning of time, since there was nothing but the Savior, there's never been anybody that he didn't love. And just let your mind go back through the Gospels. Think about how people treated him. I mean, uh, and it culminated with a hanging him on a cross, on a piece of wood, driving nails in his hands. And he's still got those marks. I don't know what percentage you would put on it. I don't know what percentage I would put If I were to ask the question, what percentage of people on earth in Jesus' day do you think loved him? I think it would be a pretty small percentage. But he loved And that is our example. Fulfill the law of Christ by loving and ministering to somebody else in one way that we're talking about this morning, helping bear their burdens. Well, a couple of examples. It might come as sounding a bit strange to you, but the Apostle Paul knew what it was to have people help him bear his burdens. Now, we think of the great Apostle Paul, and he was the leader. And he was. But he had burdens, and he had people help him bear his burdens. He knew what that was all about. 
so he could write first-hand information here. At one point in his own life, he was terribly burdened. Well, at more than one point, really. The one I'm thinking about was he had written a, a letter to the church at Corinth. And it was a stern letter. And Paul was concerned about the reaction that people had in the church to the letter that he had written them. Listen to some of his words reflecting his concern. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts without and fears within. 2 Corinthians 7. Paul had a need for somebody to help him bear his burdens. How did God answer that request? Well, some of you know because you've read Corinthians more than once. The next verse after the one I just read was, uh, contains these words, But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us. How? Great words to me. Comforted us by the coming of Titus. Who was it that helped the Apostle Paul bear his burdens at this particular time? How was it done? Well, it wasn't done by lengthy times of prayer. This was not a time when Paul's burdens were met by his being involved in lengthy times of prayer. Not by lengthy periods of time of just simply waiting on the Lord. God used flesh and blood to bear the burdens of the Apostle Paul. Skin and bone. To me, I'm persuaded that one of the problems that the church falls into today is being very glib. Oh, you're in a tough place. Well, just pray. The Lord take care of it. And you go on. I don't believe that's the way to meet people's needs and help them bear their burdens. I don't believe that. Just go pray about it. Be all right. No. Human friendship, which bears another's burdens, is part of the purpose of the people of God. Paul knew firsthand what it was to have someone help him bear his burdens. Here's another striking example of burden bearing, and it's right here in the text. I won't belabor this one. We looked at the matter of restoration last week. Restoration, chapter 6, verse 1, is another way of bearing somebody else's burdens to restore them. They've fallen. They have stepped aside of what the Christian experience needs to be. And Paul says in verse 1 of this chapter, restore such an one. And we spoke about it last week. Restoring is to put it back in its original condition. But that's also an example of burden bearing. Bearing somebody else's burdens. Paul not only knew what it was to have someone bear his burdens with him, but he was willing to get under somebody else's burdens 
and help them. I won't go back and read it for sake of time, but in chapter 2 of the book of Galatians, verses 11 through 14, Peter had a great need. He needed some instruction. He needed some encouragement. He needed some correction. He needed somebody to help him bear his burdens. And if you go back and read that, you'll find that the Apostle Paul did that. Paul did that. He knew how to have his burdens borne, and he knew how to bear others' burdens, and he's commanding the church at Galatia bear one another's burdens. There are other statements of truth. There are other illustrations. If a Christian sees a brother or a sister in need, I believe what the apostle is saying here is that we step in and we meet that need to the best of our ability. We may not be able to take care of all of it, but to step in and, you know, uh, do the best that we can do to help somebody bear their burden. James is rather straightforward about this. James says, If you see a brother or sister without clothing or in need of food and say to them, Be warm, be filled, what use is that? You see the need, you tell them, I wish the best for you. God bless you. I think James question is, is a very pertinent one. And it, it's rather sharp. What good's that? Answer, none. None. Well, burden bearing is commanded in this passage of Scripture and it's illustrated for us in this passage of Scripture. But the Apostle Paul's not naive. He says that every Christian should be involved in this, but like I say, he's not naive. The Apostle Paul knew people as well. And so there are some hindrances spelled out for us in the New Testament to this matter of bearing others' burdens. Verse 3, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I understand verse 3 to mean that Someone doesn't have the time to take the interest because he thinks very highly of himself and he doesn't have the time or take the interest to help somebody else who has a burden. I would suspicion that it would go something like this. Well, I'm pretty busy and and, uh, I don't have any great burdens to bear and I'm sorry that you do, but I'm just too busy. The fallacy of that kind of uh, self-interest, self-importance, I think is pointed out in verse 3. Look at what he says again. A person thinks he's something when he's nothing. Conceit is the word that I put here. Self-importance, self-interests, selfishness. I think I'm something... And I just don't have time to to deal with this. There's a burden there. I just don't. One of the hindrances to bearing one of those burdens is self-interest. 
I incorporated with that not only self-interest, but selfishness. Um, And then I would like to suggest one more. Let me read. I will not ask you to turn there right now, but from Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. I've thought about this, these words most of the week. Listen to them again. For Paul says, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Put it bluntly, folks. Paul's saying, I don't know anybody cares about you. Self-importance, selfishness, just don't care, just don't care. You remember the gospel records? 26th chapter of Matthew's gospel. What was it that kept the apostles from sharing with the Lord? in the garden of Gethsemane. You remember what it was? Seems like a good reason, but it was physical weariness. Just too tired to do it. That's another hindrance. And that impacted the life of the Lord Jesus. So there are hindrances That leads me to a question. How do I know? I I, I want to do this. I want to care. Asking the Lord to help me to care. And and if this is your heart, and I, I want to do this. And I'm willing to do this. But how do I know when somebody has a burden? You know, I mean, we don't walk around with a sign. So how do I know when somebody has a burden? Well, after long hours of study and analysis, I've discovered the answer to that question. And the answer is, if they're breathing. If they're breathing. That's why I said earlier in the message... Everyone in this room has some kind of burden this morning, now. That's the nature of burdens. Somebody's hurting. Oh, they're not showing it. They'll greet you with a warm handshake, pat you on the back, tell you that they love you. And they do all that. I'm not saying they don't do that. They do. But down here where we can't see it, there's a burden. And you know what? As I closed my message last week, I endeavored, because I believe it to be the gospel, God's honest truth. I believe Wake Chapel is interested in the ministry of 
restoration from verse 1. I believe that with all of my heart. Same thing's true this morning. I believe with all of my heart we have a host of people in this room this morning who care about other people. Who are willing to bear the burden of somebody else. Let's be sensitive to those who are around us. Zero in on somebody. Put your shoulder to the load that you perceive that they have. You don't have to be nosy. You don't have to get in all of it, but just take it from me, dear people. Everybody on every pew has got a burden this morning. Be an encourager. Be someone who's willing to bear a burden when you become aware of it. Someone who's lost a loved one. Someone who has a disinterested spouse. Someone who has a rebellious teenager. Someone who's been told by the doctor, you're going to have to have surgery. Somebody whose marriage is failing. Some financial reversal. Bear one another's burdens. In one sense, it is a very simple ministry. Doesn't ask you to get up and preach. Doesn't ask you to give half a million dollars. Doesn't ask you to paint the church steeple. Very simple ministry. There are people here who have needs. Again, I say, I believe, and I believe it because it's been my experience to see it and to know something about it, some of it. This is a place where people care and are willing to be burden bearers. And I pray that there won't be anyone in this room this morning who's too proud to let somebody help you bear that burden. They love the Lord. And they love you. And there's somebody here that can help you bear that burden. Will you be a burden bearer? Let's pray. Father, heartaches multiply very easily. 
folks that we know and love have burdens that they're bearing. I pray earnestly that you would continue to make Wake Chapel Church a loving, caring, burden-bearing church. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do for us and for what you have already done for us in days past. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. 286 in your hymnal. And we are part of the family of God. Blessed be that tie that binds us. 286. One other note from me before we close. This is a church. We look to the Lord Jesus to cleanse us and to forgive us of our sins. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I will assure you there will never be a better day than today to do that. And coming to faith in Jesus Christ is not rocket science. It's simply a matter of recognizing that I am a sinner. I have sinned. And Jesus died for me. You see, listen people. Sin accrues a debt. And that debt is death. The wages of sin is not to have a headache. The wages of sin is not to have a heart attack. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ in your own heart, just do this one poor preacher a favor. Would you answer the question, why have I? You don't have to tell me. I don't want you to. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, answer the question, why haven't I done that? You won't get much of an answer. It'll be very shallow. So, if you've never trusted Jesus, why don't you do that today? He loves you in a way that nobody else has ever or will ever love you. He took the debt that you had accrued from your sin and he paid it. It's marked, stamped, paid. If you've never trusted Christ, you're going to walk out of here this morning and you're going to owe your sin's debt. Because there's only two people pay it. Jesus paid it or you pay it. And there's no in-between. Okay? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ and you walk out of this place this morning having not done that, 
your debt of sin will be unpaid and it will need to be paid by you until you come to faith in Jesus. Yes, my message has been directed at our family continuing and strengthening our ties as burden bearers. But you can't be a burden bearer to you in the family of God. Jesus invites you to come. Before we leave the house of God this morning, focus of the message has been, let's be burden bearers and so fulfill the law of Christ. I would like to ask you right now, you don't have to cross an aisle, but just turn and as a token of your love, you don't have to say anything else, you don't have to say anything you want to, but as a token of your love, would you turn and shake hands with somebody right now? As a token of your love. (laughs) Curtis Holland is our deacon of the day. Curtis will come and dismiss us with prayer. And we'll sing God be with you till we meet again. Often I ask you to think of somebody when you sing that hymn. Don't just think of, man, this is the benedictory hymn. I'm going to get out here and go eat. Uh, Think of somebody. When we sing the last hymn. Curtis, pray for us, would you please? Would you bow and pray with me? Father, we have gathered together to worship, to praise you and to fellowship with one another without the fear of being disrupted by outside forces. Father, we thank you, thank you, asking for continued worship safety. Father, there's so many people in this world that cannot do this. They have not do not have that privilege. We thank you for it. Father, your word has taught us today to bear one another's burdens. We pray that uh, we take that to heart. Even though we have our own burdens, we should seek those that are in need. <clears throat> Fellowship with them. That, would, that will draw us closer together and also heal our burdens. Father, we thank you for the youth of our church, how active they've been for the last five or six weeks. We thank you for safety, that you've sent them distances, brought them back safe. We thank you for their willingness to, to, to learn your word, to study your word, to be a, a witness to you. We just ask that you continue to, to bless our youth program give it strength, give it more numbers. Father, we have quite a list of prayer needs, many of which are physical. We just pray that uh, you give the needs of physical, uh, that you handle those needs, either through medical facilities or whatever. Just But most of all, we just pray that you give them hope and strength of mind, lead and guide and direct them. Father, as we leave here, again, I ask that you instill in our hearts the needs of others, that we see those needs, that we seek them out, and that we pray and that we console and that we lift up. 
Just lead and guide and direct us. Bring us back again to, to worship again in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>